0: Welcome back, everybody, to episode number 7 of the Untangling Election 2021 podcast, your weekly podcast keeping track of the 2021 Canadian federal election. Today, we're going rural. Most of our episodes have been focusing on the perspectives of more urban young people or friends of mine. But we often forget that rural communities are the backbone of much of Canada's defining characteristics. What are these issues? How do these issues play into election 2021? And how can they be addressed this is what we're going to be looking at today. Let's talk about that. So, joining me today is one of my good friends way back from high school, Cole. Do you want to introduce yourself, Cole?
1: Hey, how's it going podcast listeners? My name's Cole. Uh, I'm a small business owner and based out of Norfolk, Ontario. I run a small gas business and yeah, I'm really I'm interested in politics. I am not as Thoroughly educated in politics as Simon, but you know, we rural people we have tend to have a little bit of a different perspective as city folk, you know.
0: Yeah, we got to really play up that city folk rural divide, you know, makes us sound yeah, like you know, you know, more rural. rural I just...
1: Big big divide.
0: <laughs> would you call just a personal question to kick us off? Would you consider me urban or rural?
1: Ooh, see, that's a tough one because, like, I I consider you urban or, or rural, man. I consider you pretty rural because, like. You grew up on a flower farm, man. You've worked in the fields. You understand what, like, hard manual physical labor is. You're also the same person that would bike, like, 10 concessions to go to work.
0: <laughs> I so, did like, that, yeah.
1: You definitely know what it is to be, a, like, a rural citizen. And I, I think you, you have a nice mesh of both. And you understand, I feel, both sides of things. But right now, you've been living in the Netherlands, so you might be a little bit out of touch.
0: I, I mean, true. I, I have been... I've been back in Canada for about two weeks now, but uh, I think you gave a good introduction of who I am as Simon, your host, I guess. I right now am living in, well, I also live in Norfolk County. That's Cole and I went to the same high school at Delhi District Secondary School. You know, shout out to them. <laughs> uh, my parents' farm, I grew up on a farm all my life until I moved away from university. I've worked a bunch of other jobs. I've worked tobacco fields, I've worked of warehouses, I've worked factories around here. So I kind of know some of the urban life, even though I've always been a bit more, you know, urban minded myself, I guess. Cole, do you want to describe your background? Cause we know you're a small business owner, but where did you come from?
1: So I've always grown up in like rural Norfolk. I've worked actually working on tobacco kills, which are like the old big machines out there that dry tobacco. I've worked in there since I've been thirteen. I've I've pretty much been involved in the farming industry my whole life. But not in the fields, more or less behind the scenes working on mechanical stuff. From there I was like, you know what? let's go to school and study politics. So I went to McMaster University. I got in through wrestling. I just started studying politics and a lot of social issues. I finished out my first year and I was like, you know what, this is just not for me. I'm like, it's just not not my thing. So from there, I went to trade school. I got my license in the gas technician. I'm wearing a little shirt here, you can see a little flame. Oh, I guess we're in an audio podcast. You can't hear that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I got my trades license that I've been the trade I've been working in for my whole life. And then from there, I, uh, went to college to, uh, study business. So I've kind of had like all levels of education. I've had like the university experience the trade school and the college. So I kind of see a lot of different people's perspectives on like, cause all three of those categories have different levels of people. I find like your trade school people are definitely like a hundred percent conservative, like there, there, there's nothing in it about it. A lot of them are like full face. Like we're hardworking blue collar people. We like our money. we want to keep our money, and then you got the the liberals who are, I find universities more of a a liberal atmosphere. I don't want to speak out of my term. I don't want to categorize university as liberal, but I feel like universities have a very liberal agenda if that's not
0: i i would I would say it's easier to find a liberal in a university than in a, like a trade school. Yeah. So if, if yes. you approach a random person, there will be conservatives. You'll meet some hardcore ones sometimes, but you're more likely to run into somebody who's more, I guess, liberally leaning in their perspectives or more neutral, which in itself yeah. is more of a liberal position. If you want yeah, to stick to the class. I'm trying definition. to
1: look at it, as like a blanket perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to throw any stereotypes or anything out there. Yeah. This is just what I've noticed through my mm-hmm. path of life. There. So yeah, that that's uh that's cool. Maybe. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I guess. And then I started a business after working for my grandpa's business for so long. And it's, it's been interesting. It's been a fun time.
0: You know, it, it, it's, quite a, it's quite amazing. I come back here and suddenly you're running your own gas company. And I'm like, this is what I'm doing in my life, just sitting here doing podcasts. But
1: <laughs> One day, man, everyone goes at their own pace. Like, I've yeah. been wanting to start a business since I was, like, young. And then I, I was just procrastinating a lot. And then I woke up one day. I was like, well, let's write a list. And I just wrote a list of everything I needed to do. And a lot of it was just dealing with the government, to be true. <laughs> and uh, they were very slow uh, on a lot of things. And they heavily regulate my industry. So it's, it's it, was, it was tough. But uh, it was just taking it step by step and trying not to procrastinate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess on, on that note, really quickly, Cole, because I, I know you're a bit more neutral leading yourself. But where, where do you stand ideologically, just so people kind of know who you are, maybe, or where your viewpoints come from? Is there anything that they should know?
1: So I don't necessarily identify myself with any party. I, I'm more of a neutral party, I guess you could say. Like, I look at every every party out there. Like, you know, we got conservative liberals, and then you go as far as the PPC. And like, you know, I can look at all their platforms, and there's part of every platform I agree with, right? Like, you look at the NDP and how they're dealing with the housing. Yeah, that's cool. I agree with that. Then you look at the conservatives and their plan. I'm like, okay, hey, that could work too. Like, there's, there's different plans that you can look at. It's whatever I agree with most is what I'm going to vote with in the end. So uh, I'm not party locked, as you would say.
0: I, I think that's very healthy. I, I think that's, for me, I've always, personally, I could never be party locked or like a party. Hardcore, die hard, always vote for them, support it. Because I think just that element of critical thinking is yeah. so necessary nowadays.
1: You really, you don't t- you don't look at everyone else's, you just look at what you have, and then you try mm-hmm. to push out on everyone else. So yeah. when you stick a step back and you take a look at, what all is being offered? You can see there's cons and pros to every single one out there. It's not just your party. It's what's going to be better for me? What's going to be better for Canada?
0: Yeah, of course. I, I really agree with that. Talking about what's better for Canada, that implies that there are some issues to deal with, right? And as a rural Canadian, what struggles do you think you can describe that you've seen around you in your community, in the rural uh, Ontario community that have emerged since the 2019 election? What are the key things which are driving people into action nowadays?
1: Honestly, the pandemic really hit small towns a lot. A lot of smaller businesses have went under. I'm sure that's the same in the city, though. A lot of small businesses went under. And it's really upset a lot of people in this area. So a lot of people are upset with liberals right now on the way they dealt with it. But again, at the same time, we have a conservative government here in Ontario. So I feel like people in rural areas aren't necessarily as educated in politics. So they just see things on social media and go, okay, this is what I'm going to vote for because this person says this. And they don't really look at all the platforms. But driving around right now, I'm seeing a lot of conservative, a lot of PPC signs. You know, it's every, like, there's, you know, for every three conservative signs, you see one liberal sign or one NDP sign.
0: I mean, I haven't even seen an NDP sign around here.
1: I, I've maybe seen one, but I it was, I don't know if I was even around here, or I was driving, but <laughs> I mean, the NDP candidate running here. I think she's only like nineteen. Is she? Yeah, wow. I think she's pre- she's pretty young, and uh, a lot of people just don't have trust in young people because they haven't experienced life, and they're more running on education rather than experience, right? So mm. that, that's my perspective, at least.
0: No, I I agree. It's it's very interesting because I mean, even like all of our candidates for at least this riding is very interesting because I was really surprised that all of the main candidates, excluding the PPC, they're all women, which I found kind of surprising for a rural riding yeah. like this.
1: They are. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: To be honest, not to take away anything from Diane Finley, our former MP, who was a woman and was very powerful within the Harper government for quite a few years. So I guess we have a strong tradition of that. So
1: yeah, good yeah. So, to touch on again, what, my opinion, why I think there's a lot more conservative voters around here. I mean, Norfolk, I'm pretty sure it's always been a conservative county. Uh, it's, I...
0: It has been for all of our lifetime. I believe in the... Late ninety in the nineties, eighties, there was a few liberals that came and went. But as long as we've been alive, pretty much, it's always been a conservative stronghold.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure Norfolk's always been conservative. I don't remember any time where has been in. I think why people are voting conservative here is we're a lot of blue collar workers, right? A lot of people that around here, like, we don't make as much as people in the city, right? We are a little, we make a little bit less, so when, when we're taxed, right. To pay for things in the city, this is how we see it, right? When we're taxed to pay for things, all that tax money, a lot of it goes to the city and building up infrastructure and because, of course, it costs mm-hmm. more money, right? We, as hardworking people, are like, wait, why are my tax dollars going there? I'm not seeing where this is going. So voting conservative, you know, that are cutting back on spending and cutting back on that, people are like, well, I get to keep more of my money, right? But then the people in this, this is, again, in my perspective, people in the city are like, they're liberal because... You know, it is expensive to live in the city, so they want some breaks when they can get it, right? So that's where I see the divide is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to see. Like, if you look at our schools, like the schools here in Norfolk County, or at least where we went to, they are not the greatest, uh, despite the efforts of the teachers. And if you compare them to schools in urban centers, they're leaps ahead. And if you're like, we pay the same amount of property taxes as people in the cities, right? Mm -hmm. So how come our services are so much of lower quality, which is probably just because distance makes it more difficult to maintain these services, but it's hard to get that equation wrap your head around it, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's also Canada's a very hard place to, to govern. We have so much open space and from one community to the next, there's so much difference. Like from here, Toronto is only two hours away, the amount of difference like culturally, socially, economically, it's it's completely different. And to find one person to govern all that it's very challenging.
0: Yeah, I, I really agree.
1: Touch, touching back on the on the school thing, I, I, witnessing it firsthand, like wrestling, I was go, going around to all these different schools and stuff, right? And a lot of the schools that I would go to in the rural communities, even look at our school. When I first started at Delhi there, our lockers were like all kicked in and rusted and broken off. We Our paint was peeling off our walls at our school. Like it literally looked like trash. And those
0: outbreaks every month.
1: <laughs> yeah. One winter we had a pipe fall through the ceiling because it burst. Do you remember that?
0: Um, i don't but uh <laughs>
1: in the gym in the gym in the back corner uh, we had the walk away it broke and they had that shut down um uh, <laughs> because it just burst and uh but then wrestling i go to these bigger city schools and you walk in it's like this beautiful like they have like murals everywhere and glass panes and colored glass it's like how that piece of colored glass could pay for all brand new lockers at our school right like
0: yeah no, I, I even like I noticed myself being more, I guess, academically inclined. I guess some of my courses, which I was learning at my at the high school in Delhi, weren't up to level with what my peers were getting at other schools. And I mean, with some of the programs, they like they they had like advanced placement programs which set you up a higher level of learning that I didn't even know that existed until I went to university, whereas most yeah. of my peers had completed those programs, and it was like, well, Yeah, cool. exactly,
1: we're educationally at a disadvantage. Um, I guess the o- only thing i think that we outdo city schools is probably in our trades because mm-hmm. a lot a, a lot of our equipment you know is handed down well, at least in delhi from delhi delhi has one of the best trades programs is handed down from universities and colleges that want to see us grow we have a lot of good connections there but again a lot of our students there are working class people right mm-hmm.
0: true I mean, I guess talk about trades to circle back to your own like experiences as a small business owner in the trades. That must have been tough to start during the pandemic because you hinted you started during the COVID-19 pandemic. What what challenges did you face while starting it and how do you think government or bureaucracy or the federal level of governance has affected that?
1: So like it both negatively affected me and positively affected me. So the negative was the wait times of everything, man. Uh, for me to get, I had to get audits and stuff, for like, but then uh, it's like for my first audit, for me to first be able to legally go do business... Like, oh, we'll be there in two weeks. It took them four months to get around to actually getting to my business for me to be able to legally work. But then and like getting parts and stuff has been really slow because, like, you know, the government shuts down borders, and then like for me to get parts from the states, like they have to go through these special processes. But then on the plus side, it benefited me because when the pandemic was at its worst, a lot of the bigger companies, they actually cut off all their smaller clients. They did not want to keep going into people's houses, they'd rather just stay where they're big dependable clients. So I kind of filled that void. I kind of came in and said, Hey, listen, there is 100 people that need their furnace fixed, but larger companies won't deal with them right now. So I went in and I was the guy in people's houses, I'm like, putting myself at risk, but I need to pay the bill somehow, right?
0: Do you think that there were any areas where the federal government perhaps or or any levels of governments could have supported you more as a small business owner, or even as like a rural citizen? Do you think there were any areas where you felt neglected? Or you felt unfairly treated? Or or even even what you've heard from others, perhaps?
1: So from my perspective, my business wasn't necessarily directly negatively impacted. So, you know, I had time delays and stuff, but that was all manageable. But my mom, my mom's also a small business owner here in rural Norfolk County. She runs a salon and she was hit very, very hard by the pandemic. There was like months at a time where she just couldn't work. And I feel like if the government actually did research into how these some of these salons are run, they would understand that, yeah, they were probably safe to run and they... Like, well, I'm, I'm all invested lots of money into safety equipment. You literally would come in, there'd be a glass pane. They'd sanitize their hands, stick their hands through a glass pane. would she would do their nails and then they'd walk out. There'd be no contact. There was a barrier between them at all times. They, they really just didn't understand that here in Norfolk County, we weren't really hit hard by the pandemic. We had some cases, but it was safe for some of these non-essential businesses to stay open. Now, they could have also supported these businesses a little better when they shut down. Like, they had a lot of incentives out there, but a lot of them were focused on cities. Um, like, Like, a lot of our small businesses here just completely shut their doors. Like, my hairdresser actually completely shut their doors. They weren't able to operate anymore. There wasn't enough government help. There wasn't enough anything. They shut down. And they don't cut hair anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad. I think especially what sticks out in small communities is when small businesses do close down because there's typically only one or two hairdressers. And if one closes down, that's 50% of supply cutoff. Whereas in cities, there might be more options, right? You might have oh, like a exactly. hairdresser at the corner. So you really do start to notice this one shut down what went wrong? Why did it shut down?
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to discredit city people either because they have a yeah. heart too. They're they're paying an outrageous amount of like, um, rent and you know there's a lot more that goes into it. And I understand why their incentives would be more towards those businesses because yes, they mm-hmm. they need that support too. But I feel like that kind of overshadows our livelihood as well, right? Yeah. Again, th- this is my perspective. I'm not. This is not through like educational means or anything like this is just like what I'm thinking, right? Like, I don't know how true this is either. This is just my perspective on the, on the
0: topic. Yeah, no, but it's good to, to hear, get out there, because it, it kind of, I think a lot of this election will be determined by the perspectives we have on the on the pandemic and the response to it. Because that's been the main issue that, par- that parties have been posturing, or at least the Liberals seem to have wanted to been the main issue when they started their campaign. So knowing how Canadians from all around view and react to their pandemic response, even if it's not academically enforced, but just from personal perspectives, I think that's very valuable to get out there.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is my view on how the pandemic happened, right? So Doug Ford, you know, conservative. He's, I think, he started out great. He started managing this like really well, and then as the pandemic continued, he made some. He slipped up on some of his choices, and. Cases would spike, cases would fall, cases would spike, and people were putting their frustration towards them. But then they also were noticing that, you know, RPM, who is a liberal, didn't help at all. Doug Ford was like, hey, listen, shut down the airports. We don't want no one in here. They're bringing in people who are bringing in the virus. Like, how are we getting all these variants here from Africa, from Asia, from India, right? How are they getting here? The airports. And where's the biggest airport? Toronto, right? That makes people upset at both. That's not just from a rural perspective. That's from, like, a a perspective as a whole.
0: Mm -hmm. I know in Ontario, like, to give some context to any listeners who might not be aware, uh, the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, is a Conservative, uh, whereas the Prime Minister of Canada is a Liberal. Do you think that Doug Ford's behaviour has impacted perhaps the federal vote that people might have here? So their opinions towards a Liberal government or a Conservative government?
1: I think so. I really... Because a lot of people are really upset with Doug Ford. At least I know in this area, a lot of people were upset Doug, about Doug Ford. But at the same time, I'm still seeing a lot of this conservative side. So I'm really interested to see what would, what's happening, going to happen with that. Cause like maybe it's having more effect in the city. Um, but cause they probably, they were probably under a little more stricter measures. Like Toronto never mm-hmm. came out of a lockdown. So they are probably a little more upset with the conservatives as we are here.
0: I do know that there's a lot of anti-liberal sentiment around where we live too. Do you want to maybe touch upon why others might feel that way? Or what you've noticed from perhaps friends or family?
1: So a lot of them are based on control. Like they see, they see, okay, this is not my perspective, this is everyone else. Yeah. They see liberals as socialists. They see mm-hmm. liberals as like, com- I've heard communists get thrown around. I've heard of like a lot, like that's how people in small communities are viewing the liberals right now. And they're they don't look at their platform right now. They're just looking at what he did wrong in office. That's all they're looking at. They don't look at what he did right. I'm, I'm again. I'm not caught. I don't know exactly all what Trudeau has done. I yeah. did not follow him very closely. I was caught up in my own things, like my business and stuff. But the news has put a lot of emphasis on the negativity around the Liberals, and I feel like that has really spread a lot here in small town communities because people yeah. talk. So I've talked to three people today and every single one of them were voting ppc Ooh. yeah so they're not like just and they're all from norfolk they're upset with the government and like their go-to was you know vote conservative because we don't like liberals right go vote conservative but conservatives are becoming more and more liberal
0: especially this platform
1: but yes yes, go yes. On. so i feel like people seeing that are like hey they're the most conservative out of the bunch let's vote ppc at the same time there's a lot of people voting conservative as well so the ppc are like the extremist option and we're like people are like well let's take a step back from this liberalism and go all the way back to like hardcore conservative but it's really hard because you're stepping on so many toes along the way because like if you have a spectrum in the middle of the spectrum uh we'll say is like no one but on the just on the other side of left is conservative way farther left is liberal and then way over left is ndp but then on the, on the right you just have way over here you have the ppc and people are just seeing that as like we don't want anything to do with liberals right now we're just gonna vote ppc and get them guys out of there because we want to see change in, in a different way of work we want to see canada go on a different route than it is now they're not educated they're just seeing ppc as like a way out
0: yeah, but it's it's a, I think that all perspectives are valid, right? So oh, even oh, if they are not educated agree. behind it, then it, it's still under, important for us to know, because it is, I guess, our country too, to know why they're leaning that way, right? So it's, it's nice you can shed some context upon that. Should we talk a little bit about the COVID-19 pandemic itself? So like vaccinations, because I know that's been a big issue here too, because I know... <laughs> I know we have neighbors too who are pretty anti-vax. Do, do you want to touch upon why maybe so many rural Canadians, especially, seem to be more leaning against the vaccinations?
1: Yeah. So the way I view it is, I feel like a lot of people aren't against vaccinations. Like a lot of people, they go out and get their flu shot. They've had all their vaccines growing up. But let's be real here. We've all had vaccine passports since we were a kid. We weren't allowed to go to school without vaccines. They would have vaccine pop-up clinics at school for your. I don't know, hepatitis, whatever, and all this stuff, right? So I don't think people are anti-vax. I just think people are anti the current government. I feel like the government during the course of this pandemic has came in, you know, into the rural areas and they shut down your local businesses. They shut down um, all our amenities and all that stuff. They they really isolated us from everyone. And we're just upset, right? So why would we trust someone who's coming in saying, here, take this vaccine now to save your life, mm-hmm. If they've already wrecked their lives so much to begin with, right?
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I I could understand where these voters are coming from, especially where I feel where I've, where I feel like, I, and I, I mean, this was a pandemic, but oh, I feel 100%. like the me- messaging of the government could have been stronger. Maybe explaining like the need for it, maybe connecting it to like the collapse of the vital systems instead of just saying "vaccine now, take it."
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, I, people are more viewing the way the government is pushing the vaccine as propaganda rather than like, this is something that's going to save your life. Right. So I feel the government could really change the way they advertise it to people. I mean, it's a little late now, but the way they kind of came out saying it is like, yo, get your vaccine now. And like, it's not going to be mandatory, but you should get it now. And then they've changed to, Oh, it's now mandatory if you want to live a normal life. To where they could have came out it was like hey it's a light at the end of the tunnel let's look at this from a positive perspective we have uh uh, something that we think is going to help you guys rather than here's a vaccine take it right it sounds like force rather than you know helping
0: yeah and i guess on the point of an end of the light of the tunnel we should start looking getting to our own light at the end of the tunnel what do you think the solutions might be to these current problems we're facing in our rural community? I know this is a big question. I don't expect you to pull a magic answer out of the bottle or something, but uh, do you have any theories of where we should be heading as a community?
1: See, I have a very interesting political thing I've kind of thought off of. Um, a lot of people in smaller communities, you know, they brought up the socialists, they brought up the, I brought up the socialist and communist perspective, right? Like That's how they view liberals and stuff. And I really think we need to bring back of, we, need a, we need a voice in the smaller communities. Right. We, we need hmm. um, someone to advocate, someone strong to advocate for us. Right. My perspective is on politics is I think there needs to be a lot more transparency because p- people everywhere, they look at the government, they really don't know what they do at the day to days. Right. They, they can't go online and look at a simple pie chart to see where their tax dollars has gone. Right. So they really need to rebuild the trust of people. Uh, another thing, this is just a theory I've had floating around in my head, a way they, they could probably go about fixing this, is why can't we take 2% of our tax dollars and we be given a choice on where in the government it gets put? Where you can be given a choice between education, where you can get a choice between roads, the environment, healthcare, and you can put your 2% of your tax dollars towards whatever thing you think needs to be fixed in your community. I mean, at the same time, that that means the city is going to be getting a lot more money. But I think there needs to be, that gives power to people in your own community, put money into your community.
0: I, I see what you mean. Make that connection, you know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times we feel it's so foreign to Garmin, right? Where yeah. it's just a random city on the hill all the way in snowy Ottawa. Yeah. Where it's, that, we need to feel like, the garment actually has a presence here where what we're contributing comes back to us, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we need money to go back to our own money going into our own community where we can see it happen, right? that That's my opinion. I think it really brings back the sense of democracy giving you a choice. And from there, you can have like groups lobby where you have groups say, hey, look, listen, we really need health care. Let's run some advertisements in our community about put your 2% towards healthcare. It'd be like a whole different way of voting where you basically vote with your percent of your taxes towards what you want to see improved in your community every year. That That's just my opinion. It, it gives power to the little guy.
0: Yeah, it, it's an interesting theory. I like the thought and I haven't heard it discussed much, but uh, I, I know given Canada's bureaucracy, that'll be a headache to impose, but <laughs> we'll see it, how it on, goes. It
1: honestly would be. It'd be a big headache to impose, but that's just something I've been thinking about for a while because like, it gives me a choice and gives me the ability to make an impact in my community.
0: No, I like the sentiment. It's very telling. Given the thoughts you've you've kind of expressed, do you think that any of the particular platforms or any of the parties that you've heard about so far, do you think they connect well with the issues that you see in the community? Do any of them seem like the shining beacon, the the knight in armor? You know, I'm
1: not too sure yet. I, I wanna I wanna ride out this election a little longer because like mm-hmm. the parties are constantly releasing new things every day on how they want to. So like I, I think I need to see a couple of debates. I need to really, you know, get a feel for what the politicians are actually really like before I can make say this one's gonna make a huge impact in our community. But really honestly, whatever's gonna help small businesses grow back, whatever's going to solve housing crises, because I am currently twenty four, running my own business, living in my mom's basement. <laughs> um so like it's really expensive. And I think there needs to be something done to help that. And whatever platform is going to help that is going to be the one I'm going to vote for.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good way of looking at it. And I mean, some platforms in particular have stood out with their more promises towards rural Canadians. I know the Conservatives themselves have explicitly this really interesting line uh, where they say, we can't just have a recovery plan for just downtown Toronto. And it's yes. that kind of rhetoric, which I think they're touching upon some kind of sentiment, which will appeal to they have traditionally been stronger in rural Ontario regardless. So I I think they are trying to really solidify those votes. Uh, Whereas the other platforms like the NDPs and the Liberals, they have their standard set of promises to to boost small businesses, have new funds set up for them, which are also present in the Conservative platform. So they they are competing for votes.
1: Honestly, like I, right now, I really see the NDP, Conservative, and Liberal platforms are all very similar, just in, but they're also different. Like, it, they all have like they're all facing similar issues right now. They just have their own way going about it, and they're all tweaked in their own way.
0: yeah, it's it's not like you can look at each platform and say, this is the landmark issue which will separate this one from this one, right?
1: Yeah, exactly because they're all dealing with the same problem just in their own ways and it's like which way is the best is is it just mm-hmm. needs to be again, like I think a debate debating which solution to the problem is better would be good would be great to see.
0: So I guess on the topic of debates, I mean, we had our first unofficial debate yesterday in, in Quebec, which I didn't catch because it's in French and I had family to spend time with last night. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the the official debates that uh, will be on the 8th and the 9th um, in French language first and then in English. So I'm really looking forward to those. But as a rural Canadian, what will you be looking forward from those debates? Any any things you want to hear your leaders say?
1: Um. I really just want them to hear them say that, you know, we're going to fix the issues that we've talked about in this podcast. You know, they're going, they're like, really, honestly, like, it, shout
0: out to this guy, Cole, great ideas. <laughs> fix those issues. Uh,
1: I, I'm not too sure how to answer that question right now. I've been really busy with my own stuff. And I, I have been following the news, but I just haven't followed been following it close enough. Like, I'm probably going to tune in more once the debates start and like mm-hmm. get really into it. Like, I feel like that, uh, this election started off pretty slow. At the, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I need to tune in more, is what I'm trying to say.
0: But that, that's that's good, because I think that's the sentiment that a lot of Canadians have had. Because the people have had the podcast so far, most of those are very politically connected people, are very updated in news, they're always browsing the websites, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. It's good to know that not all of us are that way, right? And most Canadians aren't.
1: The, the way most Canadians view it is, you know, they'll, they'll read an, a, a news article or two or whatever headline catches the, they're on their phone, like it'll pop up on their phone and say, oh, the Liberals yeah. do this, the NDP do this. And that that's what sticks with regular Canadians. They're not mm-hmm. going to go through and read their whole platform. Whatever headline makes the news is what they're reading. And they'll maybe check the polls once a day. Like I do, I see, see what's going on. But yeah. other than that, like the average voter isn't entangled in politics in their everyday life. They're just, it's its, yeah. it's there as like a side quest, I guess. <laughs>
0: Fair enough. I guess on that note, one final question concerning politics: How optimistic are you about the future of Norfolk County, and I guess the country in whole?
1: Uh I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I, I want to see a change. I did not like the way things were going now, but like we just we're coming out of a pandemic, right? Yeah. So I, I'm very I'm very optimistic to see where things go after the pandemic clears up and where our new leader takes us. Right, like. It's going to be really interesting. You know, if, if we go under conservative rule, it's really a lot of things are going to change. And it's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how that changes. But if we stay liberal, it's going to be it's going to be interesting, too, because he's promising a lot of new things. It's interesting. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. And the, like, I've, like I've been saying, I, I feel like this election is shaping up to be more of like the, the turning point elections for Canadian, I guess, the Canadian political sphere, where if a, if a, a conservative success might propel different conservative values for the next decade forward. Whereas maybe like a coalition success will really change ruling too. Because I think this is a very important election to keep your eye on.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's really pivotal. It's really like, like I said, like the conservatives are more liberal than they ever have been. So I think Mm -hmm. people are really changing how they think to, yeah, maybe the liberals were like their extreme spending is right, but maybe just not as much spending, right? Still spend Mm -hmm. a little bit, but don't go and spend $25,000 on golf balls.
0: Yeah fair enough fair enough (laughs) even though yeah Uh, i guess on that note we're getting to sports and personal question time we're finishing up the podcast cool you're an avid wrestler as you've mentioned i think once or twice so far right
1: i I am i am yes
0: you get to pair up each of our federal leaders in a wrestling match how is this going to look like
1: you know that would be really interesting um I don't and should have
0: should... run through the federal leaders? Because I'm including the PPC and the Green Party and the block of the quad just to give us an even six.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, Mr. Singh over there looks like he has a lot of energy and he's always up dancing on TikTok. So I feel like he <laughs> might have a lead on some of the other guys. You know, um, I
0: mean Trudeau did box. Trudeau like, he did, did box. He did beat up. A, he did a beat up an MP. So.
1: Okay, 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 true that, true that. But boxing is different than wrestling. You need that, you need that endurance and that grappling strength, you know. So, like, I mean, what what, what nationality is um, Singh again? Canadian. India, well, Indi Well, India. Just saying, India has a very, very yeah. strong wrestling base, and I'm pretty sure it might even be their national sport. If if not, it's cricket. Um, I believe it's cricket, but yeah. But, but, I mean, the big the big wrestling states are like the USA, um, you know, like. India, Iran, and um, mm-hmm. Russia, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I've, I'm, my money's on Singh, my man Singh over there.
0: Who uh, are you pairing him up with then?
1: Ooh, I pair him against. Uh, okay, okay, let's let's pair him up against Trudeau and have the Liberals battle it out, and then we'll okay. we'll, we'll pair up the the PPC versus the Conservatives, see who's the stronger Conservative, and then, then we'll pair up you know the Green Party with the the, or whatever, yeah, the Bloc Québécois, whatever. The Bloc Québécois. The Bloc uh, Québécois. Yeah,
0: I, I would have liked to see a uh, O'Toole and, uh uh, Yves Blanchette, the, the block of the Quad pair-up, because they, they seem like men of similar stature, so it would be a, you know a similar what? fight.
1: That would be interesting, but it also would be interesting to put O'Toole against Trudeau, because... That would be. That would be, like, the the, the battle of the big two parties, right? And then you could put, maybe, like, the NDP versus, like, the PPC, because they're like, the two smaller running parties. Ooh,
0: the extremes, right? you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, the extremes versus each other, and then you kind of have the green and the, the, the Quebec... Block. Yeah, quoi, like doing whatever they want to do, right?
0: Because, yeah, they uh, can just argue about. Yeah, they'll those just argue cringes.
1: argue about how many votes they're not going to get.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. That, that was that was
1: just a joke. That was just a joke. Just I know. The, I know. the, the, the joke being that uh, uh, historically in Canada, the Bloc Lacroix and the Green Party <laughs> haven't had a lot of votes in Canadian history and haven't had a lot of seats in Parliament. So I
0: mean, I mean, the Bloc Macroix have more seats than NDP right now.
1: True, true, true. But in in terms of vote, votes, the NDP usually yeah. gets more votes.
0: Yeah, especially considering like the Bloc Lacroix is purely only running in Quebec, so that really limits your voter base, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. Uh, well, it was a blast having you on, Cole. I'm sure maybe we'll touch base again after election. You know, maybe have you on like election review, see how to see how it's all looking, how uh how your thoughts on these issues have changed throughout the last month or so. Did you want to shout out maybe... Because I know you've worked on some podcast-related activities as well. Maybe give a shout out to where they can hear more of your lovely voice.
1: Yeah, I know if you like hearing my voice and uh, you think I'm funny enough, you can check out the After Hours podcast, where we occasionally stream on on Twitch there. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram. And uh, I think we have a Facebook page. I'm not sure if we have that up yet. Or we are uh, starting a new uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu podcast. And it's going to be all about martial arts and stuff like that. It's... I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna call it three guys, one gee. Uh, funny name there. Or you can uh, follow me on social media for updates at uh, Cole Maybe on Instagram. I'll, I'll be posting their updates there regularly about my different social media things.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, you should give him a follow. To, I'll be. You're really making your way into the Joe Rogan territory of the martial arts focus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, but, but to, touch, to touch on that for a sec, though, if you don't mind. Well, so we have a. A couple really educated people who have been around the industry for a long time, and we plan on having a couple black belts in, uh, to talk about a couple different things. And Our one buddy there, our other host, Brennick, very very educated on statistics, and it'll be interesting. So if that's something interesting, check it out. Thanks for the plug. Simon, I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. Uh, I really, really enjoy talking about politics, even though I'm not you know as thoroughly politically educated as a lot of people, but... It's something I enjoy talking about. So thanks, Simon. I appreciate this opportunity.
0: No worries. I, I just want to get a myriad of perspectives. And I think it's especially important to get to get a good preface on the Norfolk perspective, considering in the future, I'm looking into getting some of the people running for Norfolk's uh, seat also on this podcast. So I've been in contact with a few, and I think they should be lined up in the near future. So you should be looking out for those episodes. Our next episode... Uh, we'll be releasing, I believe, Monday-ish, and we'll be doing, hopefully, a uh, debate preview. So if you're interested in lo- what to look for for the debates, tune in to us then. And yeah, if you've enjoyed, please like. If you've really enjoyed, drop a subscription, drop a comment, and I hope you have a good day. Uh, I hope this has kept you entertained. Uh, Till next time, then. Bye. Roll the
1: outro music!
0: <laughs> yeah.